you're listening to the Mind Devs Podcast, a podcast that creatively empowers you through exploration and curiosity, seeking wisdom from minds of the world. My name is Ryan Perez, a creative, curious, and ever-changing human on a mission to spread self-education and connection around the world by sitting down with fellow humans to share and reflect on impactful ideas that will grow your mind, body, and soul, developing the mind one experience at a time. Great. Well, welcome, Raja. Thank you for being here on the MindApps podcast. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and just get started a little bit with your background. And so I guess I wanted to go ahead and ask, uh, how did your career in marketing start? And uh, what were some consistencies or, uh, I guess, patterns that you've observed amongst yourself and even your colleagues that led you to uh, either C-suite or other top executive positions? See, my uh, entering marketing was more an accident, hmm. right? I was doing my MBA and I was specializing in environmental management, uh, which is all about you know pollution control and uh, you know safe planet and so on. And uh, I was doing that program where, as part of my internship, I was there with a, a, a cosmetics color cosmetics company in India at the time, hmm. and I heard or rather overheard a conversation in the next cubicle between my boss and the agency people. My project was on logistics and they were discussing about how to communicate a concept effectively to uh, women in India about color cosmetics and uh, how it cannot be a social, it should not be a social taboo. And I said, why are these guys struggling? So I just took a piece of paper. And on that, I said, the headline was, is it bad to look good. Hmm. And then I sort of started writing a little bit of a copy and that put some picture and then say, how about this? Now they were thoroughly impressed and eventually you know, the campaign was launched and so on. Wow. So I said, maybe actually I, I, I might be good at marketing. <laughs> so that, that was how <laughs> I shifted my specialization or added a specialization of marketing to my uh, MBA program. And then from then on, roughly 50% of my career I spent in marketing and the other 50% I spent in uh, managing either a business or a company or a you know, division or things like that. So that's why I have been in marketing. And when you talk about any specific patterns, what I always found uh, you know, amongst the most successful marketers that I look up to, mm-hmm. uh, they have had experiences outside of marketing as well. So they were managing a business, they were managing P&L of the business, or they were in uh, sales, or they were in uh, finance, wherever, or in operations and technology. So when they go and have these experience outside of marketing, when they come back into marketing, they're absolutely much better, well-rounded, and they are fantastic overall, because they're able to look at everything from multiple perspectives, as opposed to only from the lens of marketing. So that I would say is probably the single biggest uh, pattern, if at all. And the other one I would say is that marketers who have kept themselves uh, in terms up to date, whether it is on data or Mm -hmm. it is on technology uh, or it is on psychology and sociology developments that are happening, the anthropology. So when they integrate all these together, that's when marketing is really effective and you can get that competitive advantage. So some of the best marketers that I have seen, they spend a lot of time learning. 
keeping themselves up to date uh, and stay on top of things. I see. Okay. I, I, you hit it right in the nail. I was going to ask. So just always learning and seeking for more and new information. Okay. Interesting. Um, and so, well, first off, thank you for writing the book, Quantum Marketing, a great, wonderful book. If you haven't checked that out and you're interested in marketing, please go ahead and check out Quantum Marketing. Um, now I'm curious, did you face any sort of, uh, would it be, did you face any sort of either tension or maybe backlash from your peers within the marketing industry? Because it's a very like, I mean, I, people ask me about the book and I tell them, I think this is one of those books where it's like I asked, it's like a time machine that took me 10, 20, 30 years into the future to show me the, to pretty much show me the future of marketing as if I went to the year 2050, 2060, and they were just trying to catch me up on what's occurred in marketing and pretty much showing how, how, everything we do now in marketing is going to completely be obsolete. How have you, have you faced any sort of that tension or uh, backlash from uh, marketing industry? See, the key thing is I have got many proof points mm -hmm. and I got my logic very clearly laid out, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to just make some wild assumptions and wild hypotheses. So I'm actually drawing conclusions. So firstly, what, what, if you look at my book, uh, quantum marketing, it has three themes. Theme number one, that marketing is in a deep existential crisis. Why do I say that? I refer to the CEO surveys where many CEOs, more than 70% have said they don't have any confidence in their CMOs or in their marketing departments to drive growth. Mm -hmm. That's a disaster. Marketing is being fragmented and the three P's of mark, four P's of marketing, only one is what marketing is holding on to, but product price and players are being managed by functions outside of marketing. New C-suite roles are coming in, like uh, chief growth officer, chief revenue officer, chief customer officer. If you take away revenue, growth, and customers, what is left in marketing? Fluff. So uh, if you look, and many companies have already uh, eliminated the role of CMO. All this is what I categorize as my first theme, which is marketing is an existential crisis. Nobody can deny that. The second thing is marketing has been evolving since antiquity. It has gone through four paradigms. Mm -hmm. Each paradigm was moved to the next paradigm by a couple of technologies, like paradigm one to two was radio and television. From two to three was internet and data, data analytics. Three to four was mobile and social media platforms. Now we are at that cusp between the fourth and the fifth paradigms. If you look at the previous paradigms, I said it's two technologies at a time that were disrupting marketing. Mm -hmm. Now it's going to be more than two dozen technologies which are going to disrupt marketing. So imagine what would be the level of disruption. It would be unprecedented. So you got artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality, blockchains, internet of things, wearables, smart speakers, autonomous cars. Like, you know, it's like two dozen technologies when they're coming, marketing is not going to be the same. So I'm saying we are about to enter this fifth paradigm. So the evolution of marketing to the fifth paradigm and how that fifth paradigm will look like is my second theme. The third theme, what do you do about this fifth paradigm? How do you survive and how do you thrive in this? So I give a high level playbook. Things like how do you look at consumer insights through neuromarketing? 
-hmm. how do you get into things like uh, multi-sensory branding or multi-sensory marketing? Okay, how, how do you rethink entire concept of loyalty? How do you rethink the concept of advertising? So I've, I've started giving a broad playbook, you can say, uh, on each one of these areas, how do, how do blockchains get developed? What should you do as a marketer if you have to get into artificial intelligence and so on? So each one of these, that's a, that's a third thing. So nobody can say this is wild or this is crazy. And what I also did is before I published that book, I sent uh, the manuscript to multiple subject matter experts, whether it is professors at Harvard kind of places, uh, it is to some of my peers, uh, and I have sent it to some of the subject matter experts, like somebody who knows blockchains. I sent that person the book, saying that, hey, read the section on blockchain, tell me. You read the section on AI and tell me, have I said the right thing, is it wrong? And uh, the feedback has been incredibly positive. So thank God now I feel very gratified I have been getting tons of positive feedback from my peers, the other CMOs. Uh, the book went on to become a Wall Street Journal bestseller. It has received the best advertising and marketing book at the International Book Awards. It has received a TV award, thank you. It has received a TV award in the category of best business books at the bronze level. Hmm. So there are so many you know, uh, things that are happening, which I feel very good about. So there has not been any backlash, but there has been a lot of positive feedback to the book thank god okay. i'm grateful for that absolutely well that's good I'm, I'm very glad to hear and so well yes you mentioned a lot of uh uh different uh perspectives as you say and i thought it interesting you mentioned perspective because you in the book you talk about before you go into marketing you know you recommend someone i believe it was going to sales and uh and as you said here now, it's to get a better perspective, correct? Am I understanding that correctly? Of when you're in a marketing position, you have a different perspective from the other side? So what I say is that to be a very successful marketer, you need to go through other functions over a period of time. Each time you spend time outside of marketing in some other function and come back into marketing, you'll be a much better marketer. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Right. Thank you. Um, so one of the, one of the uh, more provocative ideas I, I I thought it was rather funny. You're talking about how advertising is dead, and I know you know you sort of put in the parentheses as we know it. You know, currently uh, the way we're doing it today, just to sort of you know uh, ruffle some feathers. But um, I guess if you could go ahead and just share with us why you think it's not working the way it is going to date and sort of what your counter to that is as you discuss in the book. Yeah, so it's very simple, Ryan. So put yourself in the shoes of a consumer. So as a consumer, what do I do? Sometimes I sit in front of the uh, computer or my uh, what do you call iPad or whatever is a device and I start watching videos. So there could be songs from Bollywood, there could be some animal videos, there could be whatever it fancies. Mm -hmm. So suppose I'm watching a, a program on songs from Bollywood. Every three minutes, there is an interruption. Every three minutes. With an ad, the interruptions are so bad that they stop even in the middle of a song. Because if the song is six minutes long, they're not going yeah. to watch six minutes uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. They would rather interrupt my song, play the video, play the ad, and then only they can move. Now, 
have, it got even worse, where they are showing two ads. They say add one of two and add two of two. And I have to wait for that skip button to come. Mm -hmm. So I'm just clicking it. I'm not even paying attention to those ads. And if I pay attention to those ads, I'll make sure I won't buy the product because I'm annoyed. Yes. <laughs> so what do I do? So in digital, there is so much amount of advertising crowding that if I know a little bit of technology, I'll put ad blockers. How many people do ad blockers? 600 million at a minimum today. Mm -hmm. The estimates go all the way up to 2 billion. So ad blockers is one. Number two, people actually tune out. Meaning when the advertisement is coming, they ignore it and then they start looking at their emails or text messages or they go and take a bio break. Mm -hmm. They don't pay attention to ads. Number three, people dislike ads so much that they're willing to pay money to be in an ad-free paid environment, like an Amazon Prime or a Netflix. Netflix few months back has announced that they had more than 200 subscribers who are watching more than maybe billion hours every hour, every week. So that time is not available for marketers. So between ad blockers and ad-free environment, Marketers are being told, please get out of my way. I don't want your interruptions. I want a seamless, beautiful experience and you're bugging me. You're really bothering me. So I'm going to put ad blockers and I'll also pay money to somebody to make sure that no advertisements are put in that environment. But consumers are feeling like this and I as a consumer feel like this. How can I hold on to the same old model of advertising the way we have been doing forever? The other interesting thing is it has been found that the attention span of human beings is now less than that of a goldfish, less than eight seconds. And an average consumer is exposed to about 3,000 to 5,000 messages every single day. The brain doesn't just simply process it. Again, tuning out and filtering out. So advertising is becoming very, very ineffective from all those points of view. Hence, I say advertising, as we know, is dead. Now, the need for communication is not dead. But the way the need is addressed is through some other means, not through advertising. So, Does it answer your question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so an another, you mentioned the, the technologies into this uh, fifth paradigm uh, going into it. I know you mentioned the te technology Big Bang and a bunch of different technologies that will be helping us advance again into this fifth paradigm. What are some of the key players you think um, will help us advance? Um, I guess, what do you think will be the biggest uh, technological change that'll bring into uh, the world of marketing that'll help shift the world of marketing over the next decade? Yeah, forget about even next decade. I can tell you for the next two years. Okay. <laughs> Artificial intelligence is going to be the single biggest disruptor of marketing. It'll be the single biggest enabler. It'll also be the single biggest disruptor. Number one, augmented reality and virtual reality are going to be a huge, huge disruptor. It actually gives new dimension to marketers to play with. It's an extraordinary new dimension. Then you have got, uh, uh, you know, for example, I'll just tell you, 
when you look at artificial intelligence today, artificial intelligence is used already in creating ads. At MasterCard, we are using it. These are not video ads at this point in time, but if you could put, produce fake videos, how difficult is it to produce ads through AI? It's not a big leap. Yeah. Ads are creating music. There is a, a contract between a record album uh, at, at a, a company and uh, an artificial intelligence engine. Okay, and they're producing 20 albums. AI is producing 20 albums, mm. right? Then you have got AI is producing beautiful pictures. Like if you take your picture and say, I want my picture to be rendered as mm -hmm. though the painting was done by uh, Rembrandt or, yeah. uh, you know, Monet, whoever it is, it will change it to their style. And then you can actually see there is a real new painting, which is very, very authentically looking, uh, you know, in terms of its, uh, you know, uh, if it is supposed to be a Monet, it'll look like that. So AI is going to play a huge role. Augmented reality adds a new dimension. So literally in a physical space or a digital space, it adds an extra layer of information, which is incredibly powerful. So imagine like, you know, and this is the example I used in my book also. Uh, like for example, today you look at uh, IKEA. IKEA as a company, the furniture company. So for example, they have got an AR app, augmented reality app. So you click their furniture and then you go to the AR side and then you look at the room and you can drop the furniture in a particular place in your room and see mm -hmm. how it looks. Does it feature well in your fit well in your room? Is the color combination all right? It's a beautiful incremental layer. So which would not have happened if you did just mere online shopping, online browsing, browsing yeah. before, or even if you went to your shop, you don't know how it is going to look at your home. Mm -hmm. So this augmented reality bridges that. That's one example. Or if you're walking on some street, you're walking and then you can see the street ahead in your in your phone. So I got the phone and I can see what is there ahead with me. So if I'm looking at the street ahead of me, it'll show me where there are deals, where there are, you know, like almost mm -hmm. like a perpendicular to the orientation of the shops. Yes. So it stands out, oh, I, there is a 10% offer there, there is a 30% offer, something, etc. If I want, I can turn it on. Or if I want, I can turn it off. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 very friendly, that's it. So you can do, so the number of applications you can think in terms of augmented reality is huge. Now, then the virtual reality, suppose I'm in a concert. Today, marketers, they sponsor, like we sponsor a lot of concerts. Now, if you want, for somebody, say, for example, the concert is happening here in New York and I'm sitting in Cincinnati or in Los Angeles, wherever, or in India, maybe, and I want to see the concert, how can you give me a real experience? One is there is live broadcast, but live broadcast is two-dimensional. It is not immersive. But if you give me a virtual reality kind of a set, and if I look next to me, I can see people on my side. I can see the stage. It's If it is really, and it is evolving to that stage of, clarity, depth, and uh, and with 5G, that kind of a transmission of high intensity data is absolutely possible. So what will happen is you get immersive experiences. Now when I have this immersive experience as a consumer sitting in India off a concert here in New York, as a marketer, should somebody show me the same ad they're showing me on TV? Or will they use this extra dimension and immersiveness 
to rethink how the advertisement is going to appear, how the commercial is going to appear, right? So that's virtual reality. We got blockchains. Blockchain is another huge technology, autonomous driving vehicles, smart speakers, wearables, every connected device is a device for marketing. If you know how to do it. So it's going to be fascinating. Really One of the most is. exciting times to be in marketing. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I just think it's so cool too, as even as a consumer, like that sounds awesome to be able to say like, you know, what in a couple of years is like, we're going to experience like, everybody trying to get us the best discounts and the best experience and quantum experience possible in that in that realm i think that's really cool huh um and so i guess to also help anyone who is maybe just getting into uh marketing what would you advise someone who wants to go and plunge into this new world of marketing today uh i guess what's some marketing advice you wish you knew when you first started marketing? So I would say this way. So firstly, marketing is one of those rare fields where uh, you exercise your left brain and right brain brilliantly. You're literally like Leonardo da Vinci. You bring the creative side from your right brain. Uh, you bring your analytical side from your left brain. So you got technology, data, everything going in your left brain right side about creativity, intuition, art, aesthetic, psychology, everything going through the right brain. When you blend the whole thing, it's a phenomenal experience to go through. And marketing is, I think it's a, it's probably, uh, I, I would be very biased of course, but it's, it's the best field to get, for anyone to get into. But more importantly, with all these technologies coming now, marketing is going to be disrupted pretty significantly. In that stage, one of the big results of that disruption is the democratization of the competitive field, which means a tiny company will have the access to exactly the same capabilities as a gigantic company. Mm -hmm. So the small company can fight very hard and very effectively against a giant company. That is democratization. When that democratization happens, what makes a company or a brand stand out is its marketing. Marketing is the one function which will help the company differentiate stay ahead of the game, win and thrive. So this is the best time therefore to be in marketing. It's most inspiring time for us to be in marketing, for anyone to be in marketing. So I'll, I'll tell them, if anyone is not looking at marketing, you look at marketing, you'll be inspired. Number two, when you're getting into marketing, remember that there is so much amount of learning that you have to go through. You have to be like a sponge. There is you have to understand today, you have to understand technologies, you have to understand data, you have to understand finance, you have to understand public relations and integrate all that into marketing. It's going to be a very enriching journey. It's going to be a very hugely enriching journey. Plus also, if you think about it, marketing is probably the only function which can make the level of social impact. And for a lot of people, youngsters, particularly creating a positive social impact is a big deal. As a marketer, you have the skill, you know how to make it happen, and you have the resources, you have the network. And, and, and most importantly, you know that if you are passionate about, a, about any cause, you can really drive marketing efforts in that particular direction. So the point I'm trying to make is marketing offers a lot that no other function can offer. So I would say, come join, come on board. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And 
so with the book, I felt it was very like sort of, I guess, as you said, uh, what is like a playbook, very sort of uh, macro. What are some, I guess, more micro places you like to look at personally to learn a bit more, whether it be books or videos? Like, What are some sources you personally like to go to? So I have a lot of sources. My first biggest source is my team members and people who understand subjects in specific depth. Like for example, when I wanted to learn blockchains, mm -hmm. I went to one of my colleagues who's an expert at blockchains. And I consulted three, four experts outside who are working in some of the companies, not competing against MasterCard. I went to them and said, hey, teach me blockchain. So this is one as an example. So I go to people. Number two, I read a lot of books. I set aside five hours every week for learning, every weekend for learning. So I read a lot or I, or I then listen to an audio book, but I do that. Uh, I do Coursera courses. Mm. Okay, and it's time consuming, but it's worth it if you want to really get deep into any area. So there are so many things that I try to do by this way. Uh, and collectively all of them will ensure that I am staying current I have got enough depth in the fields that I want to be good at. And it also keeps me as, uh, you know, what you call fully valuable for the company in terms of bringing the impact of these new things into my day-to-day -day job and delivering most back to the company. Okay. And so, okay, so read books, Coursera. So, and so what companies would you say, um, you would personally say you think are doing marketing right that we could sort of see i guess real world examples of you think their marketing is they're doing it right see there are multiple examples i can give and i have also shared some of these in my book as well mm -hmm. like if you look at somebody who deploys technology or data very very well is it amazon from a data analytics point yes. of view they do a fantastic job from logistics point of view they do a fantastic job if you look from a design point of view, Apple does an amazing job, absolutely amazing job, right? If you look at from multi-sensory experiences point of view, you've got a company like Aston Martin, which does a fantastic job. At MasterCard, we are trying to do multiple things ourselves, experiential marketing, as an example, multi-sensory branding, as an example. Mm -hmm. So we're doing a ton of things in this space that are also giving that kind of a result for us uh, and putting us at the cutting edge. So there are tons of examples that are out there. Uh, and like I said, I've covered a few of them in my book as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And with the, with you, uh, we mentioned data. I know you mentioned data a lot. What, well, trying to think. what responsibilities as marketers, people managing all of these, the world's data uh, do we have for, I mean, for the world? <laughs> Yeah, so firstly, as far as data is concerned, before you're a marketer, you should realize that you're a human being, you're a consumer. How would you as a consumer like to be treated with your data? Who do you want to see your data? What aspects of your data do you want to be seen? Do you want your data to be purged? What control you should have on your data? Those are all important considerations. Once you understand that as a consumer, then put on your marketing hat and say, this is how I'm going to treat my consumers. Data is incredibly valuable, not only for marketers, but even for consumers. 
because for consumers, for example, if somebody is selling me uh, lots and lots of shampoo, mm -hmm. they're wasting the money because I don't have a whole bunch of hair on my head. <laughs> right? I'm yes. just giving you a facetious kind of an mm -hmm. example. But the point is, if they know what I want, they can serve me relevant advertisements. Mm. If they can track which ads I have seen, they can be smart and not annoy me with a repetition that is mindless, but that requires retargeting capability. And if you, and you need to be able to control the frequency of how many ads you want to show an individual of a particular thing. So you can give better value and relevance to the consumer using consumer's data and their behavioral data. But on the other hand, the, the point which, which you said is very right. Marketers have got a complete responsibility. They have to take responsibility for a keeping the data safe, using it for the right purpose after the explicit permission from the consumers. Mm. If consumers should agree to it. So you will see a lot of change that's going to happen in the world of data in the coming few years. Because every connected device keeps throwing up more data. And this data, what would you do at some point in time? There is so much of data that is flowing. Sometimes you don't need the data at all, but where you have the data, what precautions you take, and then how do you use it? And how do you track that you are using it only for that and nothing else? It's a pretty fascinating and a, a you know huge topic in itself. Yeah, definitely. And so what are some books that you have personally found, I guess, again, for anyone either I guess one book that you found for anyone that's new to the world of marketing and one that you recommend to pretty much every marketer you meet that they have to have read that book in a sense. There are lots of books, but I would say, uh, I'll give you three or four books, which I'll highly recommend. One is okay. called Persuasion Code mm -hmm. by Christoph Morin. It's a fantastic book to understand, you know, how people are, it's a brilliant book. One should read that. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, I'm very biased towards behavioral economics, predictably irrational, brilliant book by Dan Ariely. That's true. The third one I would say is uh, some of the foundational aspects of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call uh, marketing that you can learn. There are a whole bunch of textbooks which are there, so I'm not getting into the textbooks part of it. But your other question, which book should everyone read? And I'm not kidding. I think it should be quantum marketing. That's my own book. It, it's not meant to be a plug, but <laughs> maybe it is as well. But the thing is, it is one of the, I, I think it's like, a, as I said, I made it very simple for everyone yes, to yes. understand, even for non-marketers to understand. Mm -hmm. uh, it captures and explains in simple language, very conversational, very accessible, and then gives you an idea of what to do about learn after learning something around these things. So I, I, I would be very biased, of course, but I would say that at least from the feedback that I'm receiving, many people are finding it hugely beneficial. And hopefully some of your listeners would uh, you know, also uh, take a look at it. And if yeah. they don't want to buy, they can always sweet, look it up in a, a library. Yes, so yes. You know, I, I think reading it is more important. Buying yes, is yes. less important. Yeah, I always try to preach like, well, if you can't afford books, that's fine. Go to the library, go to thrift stores, go wherever you can, you know, ask a friend to just borrow a book. It's okay. There's no shame in that. Um, and I will agree as well. Like I would say this is sort of my first, I'm still fairly green to marketing. It's still my first year uh, building up my own brand, personal brand and whatnot. Um, I come from the background of computer science. So I sort of have a better understanding of the technology side, but even reading your book, like I didn't feel like it was 
there was really anything going over my head in relation to marketing. So I definitely agree. Quantum marketing is really great overview for, again, the world of marketing, either two years down the line or decades down the line. Yeah, it's, a, again, really great book. So please check it out for anyone listening. Just it's a very solid book. Um, and again, thank you so much for, for writing. It was, ah, it's, it was one of those books I read and I just, I had to keep reflecting and thinking about, okay, how, like, okay, try and get specific with every single idea you discuss because it was very macro and I appreciate that. Now we can get a little more micro of, okay, these are some books to check out in marketing. These are some books to check out um, and, and sources to go ahead and take a look at. Um, now I go, I wanted to go ahead and also take a look at what are, I guess, what would you say is the biggest failure you've faced as a, a marketer in your life? And what lesson did you learn from that? See, I would say that uh, when I was way back in the Middle East uh, with a bank, uh, we launched a, a concept uh, called Where Money Lives. Mm -hmm. At the time, the company was Citibank. And when we launched it, we had a big trouble on hand because we did not understand the cultural sensitivity and how the meanings get, can get changed when you translate from one language to another language. Mm -hmm. So that probably was the biggest learning for me, saying that, oh my God, you know, it's not simply taking a concept and adapting it in a different vertical uh, language, translating it and then launching it culturally. So first is the translation, all right. It seems to be very simple, but no, many times some big blunders are done translations are done because it doesn't capture the same just in the same nuances yeah. and on the other hand locally is it actually culturally appropriate is it culturally relevant that's a huge thing and take on both these counts that particular campaign had failed uh in that in that particular region uh way back in early 1990s that was a huge learning for me i said wow uh you know i had to be very very careful and thoughtful of how i do it so i would say that would be my example Okay, thank you. Yeah, the, the cultural, yeah, cultural awareness of it all. Um, were there any, are there any books you recommend for learning more about, uh, I guess, human behavior and, and perspectives of the world? Perspectives of the world and uh, human behavior. I guess like, yeah, the human, human culture overall. Uh, you know, the key thing is for me, it's very difficult to answer that question because there are, uh, you know, I go very specifically into specific topics and say which book is good, which course is good. It's not only about books. Sometimes it's also people, like I said, I ask my own team members to reverse mentor me. Hmm. For example, I want to educate myself on TikTok. Now, I don't have patience enough to go and sit in front of TikTok for hours and hours and then, you know, but I say a lot of my team members, they do that. They love TikTok. So I said, okay, guys, teach me TikTok. Tell me, what should I know about it? What is it all about? Why is it a big deal? And how do people feel on, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what kind of a thing. Likewise, if I have to look at esports, Now, I didn't even know anything about esports in a few years back. But I had some team members. I said, hey, guys, teach me. And they told me everything. About so if you asked me, can you recommend a book on esports? I cannot. But I can tell you what process you can go through to learn. So I would say again, I would come back to learning as opposed to specific references. Okay. Uh, and I think there are a lot of interesting book clubs 
that people can join. There are marketing book clubs that they can join. Then they can exchange ideas and discuss and so on and so forth. Uh, they can actually, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, uh, get to, you know, in fact, actually the public library system, mm -hmm. it, you know, in, I, I don't know, it depends on the specific geography, but I have seen, they got some fantastic content online that is available absolutely free of cost, including books, audio books, uh, regular books, et cetera. Uh, so that's one kind of a thing I would also suggest as some, from an accessibility point of view. YouTube has got a lot of TED Talks or TED, you, know, you can go to TED.org uh, or whatever the site address is. But TED Talks, some of the TED Talks are fantastic. And you can actually choose by the subject and then look at those. Uh, then you have got uh, Coursera kind of programs. Many of the programs are free of cost. So it doesn't have to be economically stressing anyone, particularly when they're starting their career, mm -hmm. where they're not sloshing in lots of money. Uh, I think it's always prudent to take advantage of these free resources because it's a smart thing to do. It also brings content very affordable to you. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I would strongly suggest that because growing up, for example, as a kid, we never used to buy all the books. You know, we used to go to library. Either the university had a library, we'll borrow from the university library. Uh, I know, I, and it used to be like that. And those days there was no internet. Now there is internet and internet is like a wealth of, you know, information is there on that. So people should take advantage of that. Yeah. And again, I can second that as well. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and that's how I sort of catch up, if you will, on my reading. Like I already schedule out an hour of reading every day, but then on my commute to work or, you know, to school, whatever, I'll plug in my headphones and just listen to an audiobook while I'm on the move as well, just to sort of get that extra information. When, and it, again, it's free because you just do it through like the public library and you just have it there digitally. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to carry it or anything. Um, plus, again, you mentioned YouTube. Lots there. Are a lot of the older good classic books are free on YouTube. So definitely should go check that out. Um, and so while we're here in specifics, I'm also curious who has had the deepest uh, impact in your life in, in, or I guess who has had deepest impact in your marketing career? I would say my mother. Really? Yes. Right when I was growing up with her, I would go shopping with her every day, whether it is vegetables or groceries or, uh, you know, buying fruits or, uh, you know, whatever the shopping was there or no, it was always with her. And she was a very prudent shopper. So now uh, very careful. We had a small budget and we had to manage within the budget. And, uh, you know, I think that it's you know, growing up in a middle class family, that's a big advantage. We are not having, you know, massive assets or we didn't have a car, we didn't have a mm -hmm. TV, we didn't have a fridge at home, for example, when I was growing up. So we, kept, you know, I was brought, into, brought up in a humble uh, background. But then going with my mom every day, I used to sort of learn unconsciously as to how consumers think, how consumers make their choices. Uh, you know, and we would look for deals, we would look for, you know, sales. Or if you would look for an and it, it used to be pretty fascinating. Yes. And I think that is a grounding which I think has been incredibly powerful for me. Second, my mom also taught me the value of education. Uh, and coming from a country like India, which has got a billion and a half people, uh, the only way you stand out and you make a good life for yourself is to study hard, uh, do well in your studies academically. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into work, work hard it's about work ethic so again i would credit her, uh, credit it to her so i would say that she had probably the most profound influence on uh, me total okay 
and I guess since we're on the topic of also work ethic, um, what are what are some other qualities you think define or create a good overall leader? Um, I know you mentioned, you know, again, work ethic and whatnot, but I mean, yeah, just if you could share with us what you think uh, uh, are good qualities a leader should have. So I would say first and foremost, the leader should be a good human being. I call it, you know, at MasterCard, we call it decency quotient. You might be a brilliant professional, but are you a decent human being? What is the decency quotient, right? So decency is the first thing. Mm -hmm. Second, uh, the person should have a vision, a vision of accomplishing something. Only then a leader is able to inspire the team because he or she has a vision and they can articulate that vision in a way that inspires the team. So communication is very critical. That's the third one. Fourth, the person should not only have his or her head in the clouds and not only have a good heart, but should also have feet firmly on the ground. It's like being pragmatic in other words. Mm -hmm. So you need to be pragmatic, not just innovation and creativity yeah. and theoretical. No, you need to be pragmatic, right? Mm -hmm. And you should also realize as a leader that it is people who bring about success. If you don't have the people following you, you're on your own. It's not going to be very successful. Okay, and organizational journeys are with people. There is a tremendous role of technology. There is a tremendous role of uh, no, subjects which are very important, but people by far is the most important thing. You should be able to shape and drive a culture that is productive and not toxic. Mm. And I would also say that the leadership should not be only focused on making profits for the company or satisfying the consumers in terms of their needs, but also should have something beyond a purpose, something, mm -hmm. a commitment for the society or the planet, some cause. It's very, very important. So I would say very broadly, uh, this is what for me, what leadership is all about. Okay. No, definitely. No, I mean, and there's never any like right or wrong answer. I know sometimes I ask people and then they're just like, oh, like, so thank you for sharing just your, your view on uh, leadership. And for I, we started talking about leadership and I also thought of in the book, you mentioned sort of that relationship between the, the CEO and the CMO and you sort of want to build that relationship with the fellow leaders in the business. Could you go ahead and I guess just discuss the uh, importance of creating that relationship and I guess obviously some of the advantages that that brings. So uh, firstly, marketing's role has to be understood in an organization. Marketing doesn't survive only for marketing's sake. Marketing exists for the sake of the organization, right? So it's important that marketing does not become an island, but it is actually an integral part of the entire organization, which means it has to work closely with the other functions and people in the other functions. Next, marketing is actually the department in any company that brings the purpose of that organization to life like no other function can. And it requires a 
complete and a clear understanding of where the CEO is coming from. Okay. Having a wonderful relationship with the CEO is very critical. Likewise, the budgets are coming from finance. The technology support is coming from the CTO or CIO, right? The, you are recruiting your people and rewarding your people, training your people with the help of the HR or human resources area. So you need to be, you know, very good, having great relationship with your CHRO. So you're talking of different people and different departments which are there. And when you have good relationships with these people, that is when marketing is most productive. The people on the team will get enough air cover to be doing their best when you enable a wonderful environment for them to work with it. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. Really? Wow. <laughs> okay. And still processing that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, we're human, right? Like it's important to focus on the human aspects and the relationships. And because at the end of the day, we're all just humans. Um, and so I'm also curious, you know, we, we talked about a, a little bit about your background and, and your experiences so far. And even now, so what are you currently learning uh, now today, either specifically today or over the last week or so? I'm actually learning about NFTs. Oh, really? Non-fungible tokens. Correct. I'm training up about it and understanding what they mean, how they are made, how they're minted, how they are being auctioned or traded. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a complete new field for me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know about NFTs. Uh, I haven't even heard of NFTs till one year, till a few months back. Yeah. Now I said I need to better understand what it is, and uh, is there <laughs> yes, any opportunity for me to do anything in that space? Mm-hmm. So that's what. So NFTs is what I'm actually reading about, and there was a book uh, that was written, I believe it is by Shelley Palmer. So that's the book I'm actually reading, okay. and uh, it's a very nicely done book actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, funny enough, I, I also started learn, uh, trying to learn about that maybe two months ago, just through YouTube, like how, where do you go to mint like the NFTs and how do you make them? How do you make the art and all that stuff? So, oh, okay, cool. NFTs. Oh, brilliant. And what are, well, what, if you can talk about it, right? I mean, what are, what is a project or some projects you are most excited to currently be working on? That I cannot tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so anything on MasterCard side uh, that, that is forward-looking, future-looking, I cannot I talk see, about yeah. it okay. because obviously it is sensitive from a competition <laughs> yes, point of view and at so many other levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, lastly, I just uh, wanted to also ask, how can I go ahead and add value to you? So I would say as follows. If you come across any interesting books mm-hmm. or interesting topics, please send them my way. Okay. And if you have got particularly ideas, concepts, and I keep looking at them all the time uh, because many of the best ideas don't necessarily come within the organization, but they come from outside the organization. And if there is a path to collaboration on these kind of scenarios, it's fantastic. So the best thing that you can help me with is if you get ideas of what MasterCard can work on, that'd be Mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, Or if you're talking about what uh, you know, what do you call uh, uh, some of the books that you might have read or a program that you might have seen. I'm always looking for, uh, you know, what my next set of books have to be. So this would be very helpful. Absolutely. We'll do for sure. 
And uh, just to help you out as well, you know, where can people who want to learn more about you, uh, where, how can they reach out to you? So they get multiple. One is they can go to my LinkedIn page, Raja Rajamannar, or they can go to my Twitter, at Raja Rajamannar. Uh, in fact, on LinkedIn, I'm writing a, a newsletter uh, every two weeks. Mm -hmm. It's called Quantum Marketing Sense. And you'll send so your that, live sessions, right? Yeah, yes. And those. then I've got my live session. Today, I had my third live session mm -hmm. with, the C, with the Chief Customer Officer of CVS. Mm -hmm. uh, so this I'm intending to do at least once every month, if not twice every month. Okay. Uh, so that's true. And, uh, you know, so, and they can also follow me on Instagram or they can reach out to me. They can write to me uh, on, this is raja.rajamannar at quantummarketing.com. And I'll make sure to add that in the description too, in case they want to copy it, Perfect. of course. Um, I guess I, something also came to mind. I'm curious, what what has helped you network throughout your time in marketing with other business people and other, just other CMOs, just other people in general? What has helped you grow your network overall? I think it is conscious effort. Okay. It's conscious effort to get involved in associations like the ANA, like the WFA, like the Ad Council or the CMO Club, where you get people, like-minded people coming together. You exchange notes, you understand from them what they are doing, you support each other, uh, you borrow ideas from each other. They are so long as they're in the non-competing categories. Mm -hmm. uh, I find it extremely helpful, that networking point of view. Uh, and nothing like being in industry forums. Okay. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Raja, so much for your time. Truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate me having here. And uh, I look forward to speaking again with you sometime soon. Absolutely. Take care, stay safe, and be well. You too. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please leave a review and let us know what you learned, what you loved. Wishing you great success. Continue developing the mind one experience at a time.